0: Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and Vice President of Altius Financial, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Williams.
1: Hello, this is Michael Williams. I'm the founder and president of Altius Financial, and today we're talking about some unique alternative investments. Hey, Taylor, before we get too far along, I wanted to ask you, we're going to touch on some of these different things like wine and art and I mean, I, th- I think this is a good idea of yours to talk about these uh, alternative investments, but do you have any more wine trips coming up?
0: Yeah, I think I'm kind of on that wine wine train, you might say. <laughs> you're on
1: the wine train? Yeah, we, we <laughs> I'm, went. I'm glad our, I'm sure <laughs> our, our clients will be happy to know that you're on the wine train.
0: <laughs> well, okay, nobody nobody repeat that. But it, it's more of a, I enjoy when I go into the wine fridge and I grab and we before you guys think I'm out there spending all my money and being frivolous, we got the wine fridge secondhand. It was a big discount. The door doesn't even screw in all the way.
1: You don't have to be defensive about being a wino, or I shouldn't say that. You have You don't have to be defensive about an interest in wine. i, yeah. I you know, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I was invited on this like cycling trip through Bourbon Country oh, you know, in, be in cool. Kentucky, like. Horse country, bourbon country, taste taste in bourbons. And
0: and so you'll just bike from distillery to distillery? That's
1: the idea, yeah.
0: Is there a car in the back to kind of catch yeah, you? Yeah, there, there you? better be a <laughs>
1: <laughs> car to keep us on the yeah. road or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get too far into this, we should uh, have our, our little disclaimer, right?
0: Oh yeah, I'll cover our disclaimer today. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No advisor client relationship is formed by the broadcasting of this episode or your listening of what we say. The use of this information or any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content in this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific financial advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner. Or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is altiusfinancial.com, or contact us directly by email at Taylor at AltiusFinancial or Michael at AltiusFinancial Just so you're aware, that is A L T I U S Financial dot com.
1: So uh, I almost feel like we need an additional disclaimer, Taylor. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily recommend people go into these alternatives, and the whole idea of alternative investing is kind of interesting. You know, it's like these are alternatives. Alternatives to alternatives because you know the, for a long time people thought you know manage futures or real estate or commodities or um, private equity those kinds of things are the the things that people think of as alternative in de- investing right
0: yeah so these these are our artsy alternative <laughs> investments and kind of a niche market of of the alternatives and I I totally agree I think most of our listeners and our clients are rational enough to understand that hey, if just because we're chatting about a financial situation doesn't necessarily mean that's our advice and that's our recommendation. Um, and in some cases it we're trying to talk about something to say maybe that's the opposite recommendation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um so you said the artsy alternatives. What are what are we talking about today? I guess I kind of spilled the beans at the beginning, but, but <laughs> what what are you what are you thinking? Um you know, alternatives can mean lots of things. I, I've invested, it's funny I didn't necessarily mean that I would talk about my own personal history. I've, I've invested in lots of different things, sort yeah. of on the side. Um, you know, uh, some people know I invested in a gun club. Actually, you know, it, yeah. it was like a health club. You know, that's the model: is you, you want people to pay a monthly fee, but you don't want them necessarily come to, to the come gym, all the time. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've invested in technology. I've invested in you know that that was. That was not a good investment, uh, you know, and, I, and I've had rental properties, but but what, what kinds of things are you talking about?
0: Yeah, so I, I agree. The term alternative can be pretty confusing, and it's exactly because of what you've said before. It's There's such a wide aspect of, well, what can really be considered um, an alternative investment? But today, I thought it'd be kind of just fun to have a, a fun, casual, exciting hopefully more entertaining type of podcast discussion and talk about really um, investing in wine and art. And let me clarify again, this is purely just for entertainment. Um, we have done some research into different companies that have these these types of investment opportunities, but it's not me necessarily saying that someone should just go out and do both of these or either.
1: So I was asking you at the, at the very beginning that you know, if you have any wine trips planned. I mean, so... <laughs> Now you're wanting to pursue this and become a wine expert or is that what the idea is?
0: Uh no. So and I haven't done that many wine trips. I I did one that we planned so I could do a half marathon. And then I I did another casual weekend trip cuz while we were living in California, it it was a a close enough drive that I could make it and do a little weekend away. Um but I I think possibly what happened here was I started getting these emails from these wineries. And then all of a sudden, my iPhone started saying, "Hey, you! It sounds like you maybe bought a couple of bottles of wine. Maybe you should invest in it." And so, so the
1: <laughs> the wineries that you visited maybe sold your contact information. To <laughs> sold them. my data. Is that you think what
0: happened? Uh, maybe Facebook sold my data. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. me putting the wrong hashtag, hashtag Napa, hashtag Napa half marathon. Might have just gotten me flagged for, hey, we're going to get this girl to invest in these.
1: Now, you're talking about investing in wine that you don't take possession of or art that you don't take possession of or, or that you do. You're, are you buying pieces of art or buying pe- bottles of wine? I know, we've yeah. had a lot of clients who've, who've got decent wine collections themselves, yeah. but they're, you know, they actually have the bottle of wine and they, yeah. they pro- presumably at some point will pop them, up and pop them drink open and them. Pop them and enjoy them, yeah. Or maybe they'll sell them as an investment.
0: Yeah. So, um, the two companies and I don't know if I'm supposed to say company names, but the companies that I was kind of marketed at, um, and so therefore I'm going to discuss them cause that's where I researched. So Vino Vest was a company that had kind of started marketing to me. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of interesting. What, what does this mean? And as you're asking, like, do I get to drink the wine? Do I get to keep the wine? What's, what's the purpose of having a, a portfolio of wines? Um, and their thought is, Hey, you can buy these wines and we'll help you find them. We'll help source the wines. We'll sell them to you. And then we will charge you so that we can hold your wine. So you don't have to buy your eBay secondhand wine fridge with the funky door. (laughs) You can have a nice fancy wine fridge in a faraway place that, you know, your wine's held at the perfect temperature and it's going to age properly or you don't have a risk of the power went out, now my wine's dead. And then you also have the opportunity to use their platform, obviously, for a fee. And then you can sell your wine through that platform as well. So you can have your wine shipped to your house. You can have your wine transferred through their, essentially, their marketplace.
1: So they're a full-service shop. They they will let you have it take possession of the wine, or they'll store it for you and at the temperature. And, yeah. Uh, but you are speculating on, on the wine price, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. so that's the interesting thing. What happens thing. if you
1: if you buy a wine, a bottle through them, or maybe a case, I don't know if you could yeah. buy one bottle, a rare bottle of wine, but what happens if you had, nah, you know, I don't really want to speculate, I want to drink this, <laughs> and you pop yeah. it open, well, you've invested that way, but now you don't have, it's, you know, it's more turned into a consumable, right?
0: Yeah, then it becomes a consumable. So maybe for someone who's saying, oh, I really want to age this, but... Maybe I'm living in New York and I only have a 500-square-foot apartment or something like that. This could be an option to say, hey, I can have a whole collection without having a large amount of space.
1: Yeah, I think it's okay to mention the name. You said it's a Vino Vest. So, but again, yeah. we want to have massive disclaimer that we're not recommending this. Uh, no. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I just Googled it and, and, it, and they have a, a whiskey vest too. I think yeah. it's the same company. I
0: think, it's, it's, think they're a little side company.
1: So they've branched off into lots of different areas where you can invest in uh, that particular rare alcohol. Is that what what they specialize in?
0: Yeah, so it's some rare, some less rare, but it's kind of just a wide opportunity to have access to, like you're saying, cases of of beverage that you ideally, well, at least in their perspective, ideally you will pay them to store it for you, and then you'll pay them to allow it to be hosted on their site to sell it, and then you get a return and they get commissions and fees.
1: So I used a term that we should be clear on. I, I said, you know, you're speculating. And sometimes yeah. I, I, uh, with clients, uh, oftentimes we'll distinguish investing versus speculation, right? Yeah. Uh, but are these good investments?
0: I don't think it's a direct answer of, is this a good or a bad investment? I think these specific companies maybe might be more of an expensive option for someone who wants to be invested in these types of markets um but i i wouldn't say it's a yes or no kind of right or wrong question or answer um the challenge is it's when we talk about investing in companies you look at a company and you say okay well what's that company's track record have they been around for a long time or are they a new company Um, what's what are the earnings on this company How well have they done in the past few years? What kind of debt do they have? I suppose you could probably do the same thing with your vineyard and you could say, well, how well is this vineyard done? And you could probably do the same thing with your artist and say, well, does this artist have a lot of reputable works? But as you're saying, it it does become very speculative because these are more consumer-based goods than they are functioning companies. So in both cases, both looking at art And wine, you're looking more at the issue of well, there's scarcity, there's a limited amount of this product, there's only maybe one specific painting, or there's only X amount of bottles produced in a specific vintage. And then you've got the risk of well, what are the consumers thinking today? Are they going, wow, that's the best painting in the world? Here are millions of dollars for this painting, or are they going, uh, my toddler could have painted that with some paintbrushes. I know I'm not going <laughs> to pay a million dollars. It's funny that
1: you mentioned that. You know, I, I I have arguments with my brother. My brother's an artist. Um, yeah. And I sometimes argue with my my youngest daughter, who's a bit of an. Actually, all three of my daughters are, are fairly creative that way. But but I have arguments about like um, specific artists who I think you know. I sometimes say that's <laughs> like, crap. You know, I could have done that's, that. Yeah. Exactly. That. <laughs> um, yeah. But but you're right. It's about supply and demand. Um, yeah. And, and again, going back to that speculation thing, I think you, you said it well. Um, you know, it's they aren't functioning companies, so they don't have like cash flows, right? Yeah. So speculation, in our mind, means you're buying something for a certain price, and then later on, thinking, well, I can sell it for to someone else who will pay me more, and that's speculating on the future price of something versus saying I can make a rational determination for the price I'm paying right now based on uh, an estimate of future cash flows and that are discounted back today. Now that doesn't that doesn't always work either. I mean, that's that can in a sense be a speculation because you might be right on spot on with regard to the the prediction about the future earnings of the company that you're buying, but still the market doesn't appreciate those earnings like they might uh, or like maybe they should. Like in our mind, yeah. And so they don't they don't bid up the price anyway. But um, that's generally the distinction is that that whole issue of does it have cash flows. If it does, then you can do sort of a discounting uh, calculation on it. If it doesn't, then you're speculating.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, so I kind of want to jump back. Earlier you asked, okay, well, if I do this vino vest, this wine opportunity, do I get to drink the wine? And I clarified that in many cases you will likely want to, you're looking at it as an investment, so your thought is you're not necessarily going to drink it, but you definitely can. That's something that they do offer. For the art, If you purchase a Banksy and you own like one millionth of a Banksy painting, they are not going to ship it to your house. (laughs) So that is where this kind of counters or contrasts is that while the wine may be designed to be an investment, but could be something that's a consumer good, the art, you're not really going to see beyond seeing it on your website page that says, here's what my current art portfolio includes.
1: So it's because uh, it's typically famous paintings, yeah. and and they already have a certain value. Yeah, they. Um, in fact, large you know, value. we were we were talking to someone recently who you mentioned. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: he mentioned they had they had invested in this this platform and had bought some Banksy paintings, which I'm I'm not really familiar with. I've heard that name before, but I don't know yeah. what kind of painting they are. But but he was saying that you know. I, I own a few pixels.
0: Yeah, <laughs> whatever, exactly.
1: Rather than all, the whole painting, and, and, but yeah. it's the same thing. If you're buying, you know, if you're buying shares in a large company like Microsoft, you own a few shares. You don't own the whole company, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're buying a famous painting, uh, then you typically aren't going to, n- unless you, you know, you have a lot of money, you're not going to necessarily buy the whole painting.
0: One thing I do want to note for that option, though, because I I know before this meeting we kind of spoke with Crescent and she's really into art as well. And I think that was one of the things that inspired us to look into this, this company and this type of investment opportunity as a good maybe diversification opportunity. Although it is, like we said, speculative. The challenge with this type of company is they do have very high minimums. So it, it while our client experienced a little bit more flexibility on their initial minimums, I think that was likely due to them starting becoming an investor way earlier on when the company was first getting started. Now, when I've spoken with the rep- representatives um, a, f- a handful of times to can- to double-check and confirm, they said that their minimum per artwork is $15,000. So I don't know about you. Minimum, I mean, you're more not, of an art person, but so I don't So the minimum have...
1: that you personally could invest is $15,000 in a painting that probably is worth a whole lot more than that. Yes. But what Do you know what the paintings are worth?
0: I think like millions.
1: So these are, these are uh, very famous paintings. Yeah. I mean, they don't have... Uh, unknown artist, because then no one would really think, well, this is going to be a great investment, right?
0: I I wouldn't think so. I I didn't see any... I'm not as big of an artist, so I... Well, there was a huge list of, here's what we have as offerings, um, or here's who we've had... I'm yeah. not necessarily the person to say, "Oh, that's the best painter in the world." But or, you
1: and I were talking about this a couple of days ago, and and they had they termed some of these things like blue chip art or whatever. What, what do they mean? What do they mean? I guess that you could be an analogy to blue chip stock, but what do they yeah. mean by that?
0: Yeah, it was interesting because I saw that on both websites. So both the wine and the art used marketing jargon along the lines of, "Oh yeah, this is your opportunity to have like a blue chip investment," which is very interesting given how speculative they are. So when I think of the word blue chip, I typically think um, large companies that are ideally relatively stable. I mean, maybe you'll see some pricing variations, but um, this company shouldn't be going out of business. Like a company like, I don't want to jinx it, but like I wouldn't think (laughs) Google would go out of business. Maybe Google's going to lay off people and maybe have some good times and some bad times, but if i bought that when i was 1 and i held it till i was 100 it it's probably going to be around for for decades at least whereas the wine and the art isn't like we said it's it's just not it's so much more speculative it's so much more risky than that so i thought it was interesting that they kind of tried to draw you in with hey this isn't so risky this isn't so scary and then in the fine print later on it said just a note we have high minimums so we have high minimums. And then to parallel with that, this is a risky investment. We don't guarantee returns. We have control over the sale of your assets. <laughs> I just thought yeah. the the addition of all those little fine lines kind of made me think, oh, this isn't well, really that's, the option. That's always for-
1: the the conflict sort of between marketing and then compliance, right? On yeah. one <laughs> hand you're trying to say, we're trying to attract as much capital as we can to this where you know this is our business model come on join us this is fun this is great you're going to make lots of money uh, but by the way there are some risks and here's the fine print and yeah. you know but uh, when you say those those minimums they they're not, they don't have necessarily accredited investor requirements like you know where you have to they look at your net worth do they
0: so they're sec regulated mm-hmm. um, so they they have some regulations but they're not looking at you having to be an accredited investor so the that- um, the one, two, three rule, what is that? The one million of income, two million, or one million of assets without your house, two million with your house, 300,000 salary. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the rules that make you an accredited investor, which essentially allows the government to say, hey, it's fine if you take on a high risk investment. You'll be okay if this doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that whole that whole thing. You know, again, this is my little rant about the government telling you what you could invest in or not. You know, they're basically trying to protect yeah. people. That's the that's the terminology they use. Accredited means that you're a sophisticated investor because you have uh, a lot of wealth or a high income or both, yes. and that means you're. Potentially, uh, someone who is, can do more due diligence and understand the risk more yeah. more than your average uh, average investor. Um, but again, going back to that yeah. whole thing about you know, I, with this kind of thing, you know, when 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 I'm deploying capital for clients, when we're when we're investing clients' money yeah. into publicly traded markets, we're actually doing that that due diligence on reviewing their financials. Uh, we're confirming their business model as best we can. You know again, there's no guarantee that we can do that adequately, but we're we're doing research on, on trying to m- make a price assessment or a value assessment for for how they're doing and lately that that uh, process of doing valuation work is paying off uh yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah that does sometimes go in cycles but but there's nothing like this with that right
0: yeah no there's they have reported what their overall returns are and that kind of stuff um but I think at $15,000 per investment, it's hard to find yourself in a position where you could say, I'm very well diversified, unless um, you're already in a comfortable place financially where you can afford to do at least maybe 100000 to just start getting diversified. And I think anyone who is willing to invest 100000 in art probably wants to look at it is how I would, at least if it was me, if I was putting 100000 into various art and type investments, I would likely say, you know, I'm okay. I'd rather just buy a painting that I love to look at than putting it into
1: my portfolio, my
0: portfolio, portfolio of things that I will never have the opportunity to enjoy.
1: So that's an interesting question that comes up. I know that you can look at you know, images of the art you're involved in online, but is yeah. there any place if you said, no, I want to actually see the painting live, could you go to those and see where they're storing them? Is that even doable?
0: I don't I don't think they have that available. I didn't see anything like that on their site, and none of the salespeople that I spoke with from the company... Voiced anything along those so lines. So do you think that
1: creates a bit of a barrier for, uh, maybe it's just old school people like me, but I mean, a barrier in terms of saying, well, I want to really see what I'm investing in. If I'm, you know, I can understand this whole publicly traded transparency markets that are going on, you know, when you're talking about a listed exchange and things like that. But wait, this is a painting that you're saying, okay, you've got a picture on your website of that painting, but <laughs> do you actually have the painting? Is it in your possession? And is it a, Forgery or is it real? I mean, I, yeah. wonder, I wonder if that would create barriers for people. But, but like I said, maybe that's just old school. And more and more of the technology that's available to allow people to say, "I can invest in a pooled asset like this. I'm I'm not buying the whole painting. Maybe that's adequate, right?
0: Yeah, I think if they lowered their minimums back down, it it could become more of a an opportunity for a larger public opportunity, like investment idea but i i think at, at this rate it's it's essentially keeping the fine art in its same category that it already was mm-hmm. where most of society can't afford to to invest in it
1: yeah so um i have a couple other questions for you yeah. um well one question is is there any kind of uh benchmarking you know how we have A lot of people talk about the Dow Jones Industrial Average when they're talking about the stock market or or the NASDAQ or the S&P. Are there there indices, indexes, that this industry has come up with as far as being able to say, okay, uh, here's a wine or art index that they're putting together?
0: So I haven't heard of any wine... I haven't heard of any art indexes, um, but on their platform, they are comparing to the larger indexes. So... Essentially, what their website is boasting and what the recent performance as of 2019 is boasting is that, hey, we've got 13% returns. The S&P, on average, has had 10% returns. Gold has had 7% returns. And so their thought is, look, we're doing better than everyone else. Um, You're saying for the art or for the wine? This is for the art. Um, But the thought behind that is that's 13% returns across all different artworks so if you invested in all of their artworks you would have a 13 percent return now if you invested in one specific artwork that blew up you'd maybe have a higher return and if you invested in one that didn't do well at all you might not have a return at all you might have lost your money yeah so that's where the diversification challenge comes in for the wine i did see some different there's opportunities to invest Digitally into wine type assets, and this would be entirely different than the Vino vest where you have the option to take your wine home. This is rather like the London International Vitner's Exchange, Sotheby's Burgundy Market. Like you're saying, there are indexes that you could invest in that would be wine focused, and that could be an option as well. Not necessarily for someone who's wanting to directly sell the wines, not necessarily for someone who wants to collect them, but. If you're interested in this industry, that could be something you'd dive a little further into.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of another question to ask you about. Um, do you think, I mean, this is kind of financialization on steroids, right? I mean, yeah. people talk about that word, financialization. And to me, it means, well, you're trying to set it up so that almost anything can be thought of it as an, as an investment. And to provide some liquidity, um, and maybe professional management but it's it 's basically you know Wall Street taking a certain area of the economy that wouldn 't normally be available to lots of investors, and then pulling it together and saying we can collect money from investors, obviously trying to make a profit to having some fees and storage costs and all those kinds of things that are part of it overhead and so forth, yeah but turning it into an investment. Um, do you think that's a good trend or not such a good trend, that whole financial invest financialization of our economy?
0: Uh, I think it's I would almost say it kind of parallels the service industry expansion. So I think we have seen a lot of people go from wanting to buy things to I maybe don't need to buy it. Maybe I'll rent it. Maybe I'll um like the airbnb situation, the oh, maybe I don't need to buy a car, I'll just take an Uber and pay when I need it. You're mm-hmm. you're paying as you go kind of situation, and I think um, this almost parallels that. So instead of saying, I need to spend a million dollars to buy a painting, maybe you really had always wanted to invest in a specific um, type of artist's artwork, and this gives you an opportunity to kind of get into that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I think it's good.
1: I, I, I generally think, I mean, I think that term is tainted uh, yeah. sometimes because people are oftentimes uh anti wall street uh anti profit seeking in some ways but i think it's generally a good trend but i also say buyer beware i mean be aware yeah. that there's going to be costs that be, no one out there is working for free <laughs> uh yeah. and they're not just trying to get you know wine in your in your wine cooler or art on your walls or or to make you feel good about it they're doing this for their own business model purposes and it may be a good investment it may not be uh, but I think generally that that's a it's a good like you were saying, um, you know, being able to rent a place without having to buy it. Um, that's just yeah. taking sort of friction out of the economy and allowing more people to, uh, for a certain time period, enjoy something. Um, and so I think I think it's definitely a good trend. Uh, but there, again, there needs to be the buyer beware. A person needs to go in with full eyes wide open about what they're actually doing, why, you know, what what their purpose is, and whether there's a real chance of getting. Either preserving their capital or actually growing it.
0: Yeah. Well, and you using the words preserve your capital kind of, and I know I just said, okay, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think you could look at it as this could be creating mass consumerism, and that could be also looked at. So you could kind of look at it on both sides of the coin. Well, you're saying financialization
1: causes mass consumerism?
0: I'm saying it could allow the, so like I said in my example, someone who wanted to buy a famous painting, but maybe couldn't afford the full painting. Maybe they also can't afford the fifteen thousand dollars, but they could probably swing it, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it could create a situation where people are um over leveraging themselves when they maybe shouldn't because there's such a, a ease of access to more goods
1: yeah and that's that's a reason why people should either read up more, do some research, get educated, or yeah. talk to a financial advisor like Taylor herself <laughs> and and understand position sizing and the risk that you have, the relative risks that you have with regard to different kinds of investments, so I think that's That's good.
0: Yeah. And it's also helpful to note, we've talked with clients and we've probably talked on here about allocation sizing. And so that applies to everything in your life. So it's helpful to note that maybe you're thinking, hey, this is finally my opportunity to buy that wine that I'd always wanted. But look at what does that look like in relation to your other investments? Is all of a sudden half of your net worth in a couple wine bottles? Because that's... (laughs) not what you want to necessarily be doing and that's going to be far more risk than you want to have so
1: unless you really know wine right you, yeah unless you if you're you an really expert do. and you can say these are the yeah. these are the wines that are really going to appreciate over time again it goes back to that you concentrate when you know and oftentimes people don't know when they think they do yeah and that's why they should diversify you, you diversify when you don't know i mean that's diversification just means I don't really know what's gonna happen, so I'm gonna spread my risk around. Uh, maybe I take a little bit bigger bet over here or not, but but that's that fundamental concept about diversification versus concentration, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I did wanna add that kind of in comparison, both of these industries are extremely expensive if you're gonna go into them in the methods that we've discussed in this podcast. Maybe you would look at this and go, well, how much am I gonna to pay to to hire a financial advisor? What would that cost me? And you're looking at, depending on your wealth, maybe on the high end, a 2% assets under management type fee. And on the lower end, one or possibly less, just depending on the accumulated assets that you have to invest. All of these investments were over 2%. So you would be paying over 2%, which would be more than you'd pay for a financial advisor to manage your money, to then be much more invested into something considerably more speculative. And possibly, a, like we're saying, a higher allocation that you, than you maybe wanted to have.
1: So, so I wanted to clarify that, though. If you buy into uh, this pool of paintings, for example, yep. um, are you paying lots more costs every year? Or are you paying some upfront fee? I mean, because that needs to be taken into account as well. I mean, if you buy, like, for example, if I buy a piece of real estate, to, let's say I'm going to have a rental property. A lot of times, to get into that, it's going to cost me at least, typically, at least 5%. Maybe maybe not quite that much, but at least three percent all the way up to maybe as much as ten percent to acquire a piece of real estate. Okay, ten's probably way too high, but but certainly more than the one or one and a half percent that we might charge a client on a regular basis. But but again, if I'm buying that rental property, I'm paying that that cost that you know commissions and all the closing costs and all yeah. the costs of acquiring real estate today, which are numerous and many. Yeah. Um, but I'm you know I'm sinking that cost into that property. Typically, most of it all at once, and then that's kind of amortized over the course of time. That's why people shouldn't necessarily, you know, fix and flip if if they're unless they really know the market and they can turn turn it around and add a lot of value to the property. But, but um, that's a long way of getting around to the question of saying, you know, do they have ongoing costs?
0: Yeah. So you you mentioned the one time real estate type of expense that you would pay of maybe on the far high end would be up to ten percent now. You're not paying that realtor 1% or 2% each year to keep the property that they helped you find. You're, you're just paying them for that one-time purchase. So from the Masterworks perspective, you're paying 1.5% just on what you've got from your, your painting value. So you've, you've invested $15,000. you are going to pay 1.5% on that 15000 just while they're managing that artwork for you so
1: it is an ongoing fee
0: an ongoing fee okay um you don't have control over when they sell it but they say they will sell it likely three to ten years after you invest it so you know you've already got three to ten years of paying one percent on your investment at the time of sale they take a twenty percent cut wow 20 <laughs> so it's so that's it's not what you mean by expensive. End of, <laughs> yeah it's not your high end of wow I, I paid ten percent and I overpaid someone to buy my house it's no you're you're paying a hefty chunk to sell
1: well, um, and that's the other thing is you know people don't always recognize costs i mean we yeah. I said three to ten percent with a rental property, but typically there's, there's again that three to ten percent ongoing maintenance taxes insurance costs yeah. for a rental property as well, so you've got to make sure you have a renter in there who's going to be covering that yeah. so there's all kinds of ways that you can evaluate investment and what it's going to really cost to you uh but that's that's good to know. It, it, you really are uh, right that those are pretty expensive uh, prospects to, to be investing in wine or, or art.
0: Yeah, and then on the wine side, depending on how much you're investing, so if you're in their bottom tier, which is at $10,000 or one to $10,000, you're paying 2.5%. Um, once you hit over close to 300000 that's when you reach... Their lowest fee amount, which still puts you at 1.9% as an annual fee. And then they also have a ch- a charge to, to put it on if you're going to sell it. One and a half. So you're charged 1.9 if you've got about 300K of wine or 2.5 for most entry-level investors. And then if you turn around and you say, I'm ready to sell this, you're going to have an additional 1.5% fee. So it's not as steep at the 20%, but it's still layering your fees
1: pretty costly though i mean it sounds like yeah. i might rather just you know go down to the local liquor store yeah go to the liquor store <laughs> by, by a myself bottle of wine and, and you know my brother has some good paintings he's not famous yet but uh and i have some yeah. artwork that you know i wouldn't call really an investment i just enjoy it so maybe i'd just better off enjoying my wine enjoying the artwork that i have in my okay. home yeah and then investing uh more into a more traditional portfolio. I don't know. Yeah. It sounds pretty it's it's not necessarily accessible. It's more accessible now, and that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, but it's expensive, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's an expensive endeavor, and I I think that while wine and art do pair well for fun times and a fun evening, it's definitely not a cost-effective option for everyone. And like you're saying, if I have a piece of art that I want to own, I'll I'll probably Save up to see if I can buy that myself. Then again, I'm not into super fine art, <laughs> so I would never have a million dollar painting. Um, and same thing with the wine. I, I, if I want to own wine and have it as something to enjoy, then yeah, I try to buy it from the winery and or from a liquor store that's local.
1: Well, and you know, everybody has different uh, kind of viewpoints on that kind of thing and different interests, right? Yeah. So there are people who might have a bigger interest in. In alternative investing, I want to assure people that our view uh, in terms of our role is as financial advisors, and that means helping people make the best decisions they can, even if it's not a situation where we're managing their money. Um, we oftentimes help people with real estate purchases and alternative investment ideas. They might have a an idea for a small business they want to start, and and we work through that with them. So yeah. we're not opposed at all. In fact, I encourage clients to to come to to us with their ideas. Sometimes we play the devil advocate and say, look, (laughs) this is not a great idea. If you want to retire or if you want to meet these goals, you're really taking a heck of a lot of risk here. But it's exciting when people have different ways of looking at the world and ways of uh, getting a return on their capital. And So we encourage people to bring those ideas to us. Do you have any closing thoughts on that whole idea?
0: Yeah. I think you kind of wrapped it up perfectly there in saying that, well, we both maybe don't necessarily think that these two investments are the best through these types of platforms. If you want them, maybe do this at your home kind of situation. But if someone wants to reach out to us, if any of our clients are listening to this and they're saying, you know, maybe it's not this, but maybe I've got a bourbon collection and I'd like to know what I need to do to build that so I can use that or how I can include it in my financial plan to say, this is part of my wealth. This is something I've built and I've saved and... We have lots of clients with different collections of sorts, and those can be considered an investment, depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we had
1: a client recently who had a sports memorabilia collection, substantial sports memorabilia collection appraised. And he's done well on it over time. And obviously, we have people with rental properties, but also farm properties, uh, lots of different kinds of ways people have their money spread around and and invest for return. And we welcome those ideas.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I hope it was maybe a little bit informative and hopefully also quite entertaining. I definitely had fun recording. And if you guys are interested in discussing anything in regards to alternative investments or any investments that you're interested in, feel free to reach out to us, Michael at AltiusFinancial.com or Taylor at AltiusFinancial.com. I also wanted to remind you all that we have plenty of free resources available on our website www.altiusfinancial.com if you did enjoy this podcast i hope you are liking following and subscribing to us where you get your podcasts if your podcast app has an option to rank us as well we love like a five-star review if you're feeling great today if you're feeling generous um if not that's perfectly fine too hope you guys have a wonderful weekend thanks for tuning in
1: capitalize on your friday